You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. You can get your copy through the link in our description. BJ Armstrong here alongside myself, Mo Mootsy. BJ, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Doing excellent, Mo. Little, I know you're a little down today because you're Celtics loss. <laughs> so... Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm going to give the microphone to Mo, as I always do, (laughs) and say, Mo, tell us what happened last night to your Celtics. Before we get to the Celtics, there's one thing we got to clear up here on this show, because we put out, you know, we put some clips out on social media with different sections from the show. And BJ, you're not on social media, so you don't see this and you don't see what the fans are saying. Now, we put out a clip where we talked about yesterday where you said SGA is the best lead guard in the NBA. Yes. Now, a lot of people agreed, but a lot of people, when I said we're discounting Stephen Curry from this conversation, a lot of people took issue with that. I would like you to explain to those who are unaware what you mean when you say a lead guard. Well, a lead guard is the let's say the latest version of what traditionally we would call a point guard. The point guard is the primary ball handler. Today's guards are the primary ball handler, except the point guard of previous years or previous generations, they were the initiators of an offense. They would initiate the offense. They would get the ball to the other players and distribute the ball, organize the game in a way that the premier or elite guards utilize passing to organize the game, to create a team structure. Today's lead guard is the primary ball handler, and he (laughs) plays downhill. And his his first objective is to score. Excuse me. His first objection is to score. Yeah. Now, can they pass? Absolutely. But it's it's reverse. It used to pass, then score. Now you score, then pass. Right now, there isn't a better guard than Shea Alexander that plays the lead guard position with this first option is to score. Once he draws a double team here. Now, you say, well, what about Steph Curry? He scores a lot of points. Yes, he does. Steph Curry, there are anomalies to every scenario. He's an anomaly. He's an anomaly in this sense. He's really some type of hybrid guard because he plays without the ball primarily, who happens to have the ability and a great handle. But because he is such an exceptional shooter, he floats in and out depending on time and score during the course of a game to help his team win. He's kind of an anomaly. He's kind of like, you can't teach someone to do it. It's like, hey, sometime be a point guard or a lead guard, and then sometime go to be just a scoring guard and do that. He kind of floats around. He's a hybrid. He is an, an- he's an anomaly. There are anomalies to situations. He's one of them. So if you said, if you just put him as a lead guard in the NBA, you would be taking away his ability which may be his greatest ability to score. But if you just made him into a scoring guard, you would also take away his ability because he has an exceptional handle. Mm -hmm. He knows how to run a team 
But because he has these unique abilities, you have to allow him to float according to the game and allow him to be and utilize him in ways that maybe you wouldn't traditionally utilize a lead guard or a smaller player. So one of the things that makes him such a hard guard is here's a little secret. Most of us little guards, we never ever have to play against a guy who comes off screens because most of the times, nine times out of 10, we're out in the front of the court defending with our back to the rest of the players, right? We'll get over a screen on a ball screen. We may get on a double, get under or over a double screen. However, very rarely do we have to come off and, and trail guys off of screen set off the ball. That's Mm -hmm. what makes Steph Curry such a unique player. So the reason Steph Curry, who is an clearly an elite player. Okay. He's clearly there. He's, he's one of the most unique guards ever to play in this game at whatever, whatever you want to call him. However, he's just not, you can't put him in a category. He's probably created his own category, Mo. If you just said the best hybrid guard to ever play in the NBA, his name is there. But if you said, if you just said with his skill set, you're going to make him into a scoring guard. Well, there's been a lot of guys that's averaged 27, you know, not a lot of guys, but there's there's been a few guys who, believe it or not, Mo, they've averaged 30 a night in this league. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. You know, one comes to mind, Allen Iverson. Okay. Yep. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Now yep. you can make an argument. You can make an argument there. If you just said scoring, you can make an argument there. You know, there are other guards who could score. You know, there was at one point, Russell Westbrook is averaging a lot of points. And there's another one, Derrick Rose is averaging a lot of points. You know, Stevie Francis. There's been some guards. Ever. My last point is Steph Curry is just so unique for how he plays that he's literally, and that's what great players do. They literally carve out their own separate lane. Mm-hmm. I can't put him in any traditional way because Mo, there is a reason he was drafted, I think, six or seven. Because Mo, you had to really figure out how to evaluate a player with this skill set. Think about it, Mo. Think about this. He was like the third or fourth point guard taking in the draft, and he went in the top 10. Shout out to Johnny Flynn. Okay. Ricky Rubio. Yep. Tyreek Evans. They those all those guys went ahead of him. Those were really good players. Tyreek Evans was the rookie of the year. Those were really, really, really good players. However, when you watch Steph Curry at Davidson, the executives all said the same thing. Like we all didn't miss the fact that, yeah, he could shoot, but what coach is going to play him really as a as a 632 guard mm-hmm. <laughs> and he ended up you know going I mean? to the team that already had monte ellis which was crazy so let me ask you this um luke Doncic, why do we not have him included on this list of lead cards because luca has yet to define as you've heard me say now for mm-hmm. years what position he really wants to be so if you're saying right now He's the point guard. Well, where do you have Kyrie? Is he not? Have we just officially made Kyrie a two guard? Well, kind of by the way they run their offense. But yeah, this is what I'm saying. okay, defensively, is Luca matching up with De'Aaron Fox and SGA yeah, on every possession? 
it, and and we saw what De'Aaron Fox did the last time we were there. I've said this to you, and this is the first time this year. When Luca figures out what position he's going to defend, the Dallas Mavericks will consistently go in the direction of that decision. There's no, I don't have any questions about this young man's on the offensive end. This man is a clutch performer. This young man, he's got courage. He wants the big shot, plays through contact, all of that. However, with that talent comes a responsibility to build a team around him. And that always starts on the defensive end. And whatever, whenever he's ready to make that decision, then the organization can say, okay, Luca has committed to whatever, whatever position he wants to defend the two. So now I got to get a player who can defend the De'Aaron Foxes, the Shea Alexanders, <laughs> the Ja Morants, all of those, the Damian Lillards, the Steph Curry's, because you got to defend those guys, the Jamal Murray's. You have to defend the players who play downhill. That's a fact. So, so whatever he decides to do will determine when they can consistently, because look at them now, they, they got a hot start right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when he figures that out, Mo, then now you can work with the organization to say, this is what we're committed to doing and this is how we're going to do it. Well, according to basketball reference, Lucas spends 94% of his minutes at the point guard position. And last year it was 96% of his minutes there. Um, but I think the game is becoming so positionless. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd even have LeBron in that same conversation with Luca because he's the one pulling the strings of the offense, but he's not the point guard. Um, defensively, he's not the point guard for sure. So uh, the lines are becoming very blurred on um Well, they're the becoming blurred. And... Sorry to cut you off here. Bro. It's all good. But I want to say this. The lines are becoming blurred. However, they are remaining the same. You just have different players taking on different responsibilities in a way that we traditionally didn't see it, right? You didn't traditionally see the, the small forward or the 6869 player not outlet the ball. That's what made a player that I played with so unique. Scottie Pippen never outletted the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's something that's unique. Every coach in this league understands the hardest thing to defend. You know what that is, Mo? Tell a me. player who defensively rebounds the ball and doesn't outlet it. Yeah, like a Giannis. That's why I met Giannis. Okay, in our era, there was this guy, believe it or not, his name was Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mo, you know I've what I'm saying? Heard of him. <laughs> okay, you've heard of him, right? You know what made him so effective, Mo? Is because he could rebound the basketball himself and push it out. So we're we're looking at the game going now. The the lines are blurred. No, we actually probably did it better than anyone. We had a player who probably did that aspect of the game better than any player in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. So the lines aren't blurred. It's just that we now are mimicking what we know is the most difficult thing to defend: a six nine guard who rebounds the ball and doesn't outlet it. That's almost impossible to defend, Mo. That's why they call it showtime, because it, it was nothing you can do. There was nothing you could do if he doesn't outlet the basketball. So it's not like the 6'9 guy who traditionally rebounds it, has to get, separate himself from the traffic, get to the guard who gets to the open space, wherever that space may be, then push the ball and then fill the lanes. Mo, he just gets it and goes. Mm -hmm. you, you understand so when you see this 
And what you're doing now is these coaches are so sophisticated at the NBA level that they're trying to mimic what they know is the most difficult thing. So you mentioned Leonis. That's Giannis. Well, how do you defend that? Did you say Leonis? No, <laughs> no, I said no, I said Giannis. No, I said yeah. Giannis. Yeah, yeah. Or 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 here's an even more difficult one. Jokic. Mm-hmm. We've never seen a five-man Mo. So think about this. DeAndre Aiden. So tonight when we play the Denver Nuggets, I have to tell my center position, you're you're responsible for stopping the progress of the of the initial ball handler coming down in transition. So no. what's the first thing we teach our bigs? Run back and protect, protect the rim. The, the rim. You, you see, so now, Mo, if you don't stop Jokic, which nine times out of ten, because you, you got to run to the shooters, you got to run to Jamal Murray, believe it or not, at the three. You got to work, you got to run to Contavious Pope at the three. You got to, you know, you got Michael Porter Jr. standing out there at the three. And now the big is like, oh, I'm the one now has to stop the ball handler. Yeah, and for like 95% of other teams, they ain't going to worry about that. They don't exactly. So this is what makes Jokic such a unique player. He poses problems that you just don't traditionally see. And it takes some time to get used to him. So players adjust and they figure out advantages within the game. Well, his advantage is he doesn't have to outlet the basketball. Well, that's an incredible thing. Like, I know it's a simple thing, but we need to highlight that because that's his advantage. That's the Denver Nuggets advantage. They never, ever have to worry about the primary ball handler. He's a five. I don't know any fives that have the ability to pick up full court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Yeah. There's just something you – Brooke Lopez, when he goes to practice, he's not worried about playing 94 feet defense mm-hmm. on the guy he's guarding tomorrow night. Now, he's going to work on the post defense a little bit maybe closing out because the guy may hit a couple threes, but he's not working on, okay, I got to pick up at half court to stop the ball. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now that that's cleared up, (laughs) my Celtics. Yes. Monday night league pass against the Hornets. What a game it was, first and foremost. Fantastic basketball match. Um, Celtics lost uh, in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Tatum had the chance to really put it away, but he missed the third of his three free throws at the end of the game. Uh, I mean, these things happen. All The thing about the Celtics now in the regular season, I still think they'll coast the regular season. All three of their losses have been on the road, I believe. And all of them, all the, the three losses, I think two were overtime. And the only one in regulation was uh, like a one possession game against the Timberwolves, right? Um, and then... A lot of this is like the late game offense is still something that they need to work on. Um, you can see this problem is still the same as last year. I think part of that is Missoula still being a young coach um, and not having the best late game strategy. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. You're not going to win every game in a season. And more than that, I want to talk about the Hornets and how well they're playing. Like Lamelo Ball in his last eight games has been putting up all NBA numbers. He's averaging what, like over 30 points, like seven, eight, nine rebounds. Some games he's hitting double digit assists. He's playing fantastic basketball. Um, the one player as well that I said at the start of the season to keep an eye on was Mark Williams. 
and he's been playing fantastically as well. Um, especially, you know, in terms of using his size advantage to offensive rebound, defensive rebound, block shots. What do you make of the Hornets in uh, recent games? Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of the coach up there. And what do I make of a, you know, they've had some off-court issues that are well-documented that we don't need to revisit here, right? Yeah. They've had some things that they've had to overcome. I I mean, I mean, one thing I will say is the fact that Miles Bridges is playing and they're acting like things are normal is insane to me. But let's get back to the basketball because I just think it's crazy that he's out there on NBA court, but that's just me. I don't know what the rest of the world is thinking. He, that's just my opinion. Right. Um, Steve Clifford is, is without question, he's doing a terrific job with this roster. Okay. He has these guys playing a winning brand of basketball, even though they don't have a winning record. He has them playing the right way. LaMelo Ball has taken a, he's taken a step this year. He's consistently playing at a, I would say, a a very high level right now. Okay? He's playing at a very, very high level. Yeah. At the early part of the season, right? They're They're what, you know, like 12 or 13 games into the season. And he's playing at a very high level. And the fascinating thing is, when you think of him as a lead guard, because that's what he is with size. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. But here we are highlighting his ability to score. What do you have? 30 something last night, right? Yeah. Like 30 mm-hmm. something. Okay. So again, this, this is another, we're shining a light on what it takes to be a lead guard in today's game. That's mm-hmm. why we call them lead guards. Okay. It's going to be fascinating to see what they're going to do to build this team. Because they have a player now that's capable of getting 30 on any given night. Clearly, you know, now you're saying, well, if he gets 30 in a regular season, he should be at least at the very least get 25 or 30 in a, in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think they've had a couple, what play in such scenarios or something since LaMelo has been there, right? They didn't get in, but a couple of like the last game of the season or something. They're where they around. Didn't get, yeah. They're knocking around. Okay. So now it's important to see, can they now put together a group? I think they have a, I I think coach Clifford is the right guy for this job. The reason I say that is because you're seeing the young players thrive, right? You're seeing the young players, the Williams kid who reminds me of a former Celtic great, um, uh, Robert Parrish. He reminds me of Robert Parrish. He reminds me of a young Robert Parrish. Okay. What makes so you I, say, what makes you give that comparison? Because the game is not too fast for him. Like he's not like what I would say, he's like 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 a, an extreme athlete, right? Extreme athlete like a Shaq or a Olajuwon or something. But he plays in the flow of the game. Like mm-hmm. to me, it's like, oh wow, like he he's figured out how to play in the game because Lamelo plays at a pretty, you know, he plays, he really pushes the pace. He does a really nice job. LaMelo does of throwing the ball ahead, throwing over the top of the defense because of his size. He really does a really nice job of doing that. 
And now the Williams kid has figured out how to play with another with a great talent. Lamelo's a great talent. Okay, he's a I mean he's a big guard, and now he's beginning to play like we all we want to see young players. We want to see. Let's take the talent and the potential off your name, and now do it in a way that's consistent. And he's now he's doing that. We've always known, you know, he'll show you glimpses. Now, Mo, and what I mean is he's consistently now saying, I'm a 30-point scorer, and this is what I do. Mm-hmm. So this is great to see for him. Okay. So now that he's taken this step, the other guys are filling in around it, and you're seeing if – now, that's a lot of responsibility because he is, Mo, the primary ball handler. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I love – this is one thing that I really looked at last night with them. I said, if Brandon Miller and him are your guards at the one and the two, you just height at that posi- those you've position. You've got size at that position. So that to me showed me last night. And because you know, Terry is not what it wasn't playing, right? Terry Rozier. Yes. Terry Rozier, scary Terry. So now I'm looking at their size going, I can build around that mo. Because mm-hmm. both of them are, you know, Lamelo's are pretty. He's a, like an elite athlete at his size at that position. So I was looking at things going, Terry. I mean, not Terry. Uh, Miller, Ball, and Williams. I'm going that size at every position. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little young three that you've got That's, to yes, build around. Because they're all yes, they're all big at their position. They're mm-hmm. all like athletic at their position. You just got to find and, a three and a four to run or, with them. Yeah, exactly. So I was looking at their team going, they can get some things accomplished now. Now you got to let this go together. But it all starts with LaMelo. So I got to give LaMelo credit. I'm liking his consistency now of what he's doing. That's the thing that to me is standing out is when I start to see young players begin to consistently do it. They're not going to do it like one game. And then they'll have two or three games where they have 15, 18. And then they have another game of 35 to kind of remind you, yes, I am good. LaMelo now is starting to say, this is what I do. And when you start to see that growth, now you know you got something. So hopefully, Mo, health has been part of why he hasn't been able to do it, right? He's, you know, he's had some injuries. Uh, I think last year, I think he missed a lot of games last year with, with a foot injury, so forth and so on. But I like what I'm seeing from him. I like this Miller kid, what he's doing. The kid Williams. And then when you put Gordon Hayward and you put the other players around and you're sprinkling this in, suddenly, Namo, you have an opportunity to win at home. Mm-hmm. And what do I always say, Mo? Defend what? Home court. Home court. Okay, so when you start to see that, now you got something and then you can begin to build on that. So right now, I, I like what I'm seeing. That was a great win for them. Clearly, the Celtics, at the least the part of the season, by the record, they're the better team. But that was a great win, a confidence builder. And it just lets you know the potential that they have. But they got to play to that potential. But you can see that they can do some things and, and, and something you can build on. So, um Another name that appeared in the comments of the post about the best lead guard in the league was Damian Lillard. And so I wanted to, on this episode, 
play a game of would you rather. So okay. if you were building a team today, would you rather have these players instead of Damian Lillard? So Damian now, are we Lillard, talking about Damian Lillard's body of work? Or are we just talking, talking about Damian about Lillard this right year? Now. Okay, right, right now, okay. you're building right, teams right now. We're taking accomplishments, okay. history, everything so off the you know, table. Okay, okay right now, Damian Lillard or Trey Young? Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard or Lamelo Ball? Lamelo. Damian Lillard or Jalen Brunson? Oh, that's it. Damian Lillard. Right now, Jalen Brunson. Damian Lillard or Tyrese Halliburton? Halliburton. Damian Lillard or Tyrese Maxey? Yeah, Maxey. Damian Lillard or Kyrie Irving? Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard or Shea Alexander? Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I got to let them know. You know? It, it, it's, only one, know. it's only one name that I wouldn't answer in 0.01 seconds, and that's De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox? Right over Dame yeah, Lillard yeah. and Shea Gilders Alexander over yeah, Dame yeah, Lillard. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. All those players that you name, really, there is no you. You know, it's, like, it's kind of like being in the draft. If you said in the draft, I'm going to get either Damian Lillard, I'm going to get Damian Lillard, or Kyrie Irving. Just let mm-hmm. that ball fall to me. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no bad option, right? <laughs> but it's... Okay. If you said Damian Lillard or Tyrese Halliburton, just let that fall to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how I really feel about it. Because, and the only reason I picked certain players over the other players, it wasn't because I thought they were better players. Or I thought they were better players than Damian Lillard. It, it is, it is, it's unique to have to build around a player and I and to me it's very difficult. That's why I respect what Bob Myers and the Warriors have done. Mo, it's really hard to build around a hybrid caliber player because you have to build around other players who are non-traditional players in order to take advantage of that hybrid player, mm-hmm. a la a Draymond Green, yeah. a la a uh, 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 a Clay Thompson in his prime where Clay Thompson was defending one. How many twos could actually defend the ones and the twos and the threes? You got to find starter lever, starter caliber players like Andre Iguodala to come in to provide this level of flexibility that's needed. You can't have a traditional big to play with the hybrid player because if you take away that player's ability to drive to the basket because that guy's posting up, you take it. So yeah, it's yeah, it depends very, on all the rest of the team. But this yes, is like there's an empty it, team it, sheet. Team. The first this is an empty out. team shoot. So Tyrese Halliburton, like Mo, he's a traditional guard in a sense who happens to have the ability to score. Mm-hmm. So this is what makes it unique. So I'm always looking at the team because clearly clearly i want to say this here clearly i would take damian lillard every day of the week twice on sundays Mm -hmm. all of those players if i could just start any team with any of those players bring it Mm -hmm. however it is easier in my opinion to build around a traditional guard who has a a a definitive role Mm -hmm. like he's a scorer he's a passer 
Okay, but when you start building around versatility, suddenly, Mo, if he's the only one that's versatile, the other players won't it, you, it won't complement one another. So Damian Lillard, his what is his true ability? He's a scoring guard. He's mm-hmm. probably the most you he's one of the most unique players outside of Steph Curry because he's a scoring guard who happens to play the lead guard role. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him unique. And that's what makes him an outstanding player. So one last thing before we wrap up today's show. Um, we thought that Victor Wembanyama would be the first one to bring back the skyhook. But the other night, Jimmy Butler, he said, I'm in a three-point shooting slump right now. So i got to get the skyhook going. And he shot a skyhook in the game whilst shouting the word skyhook, which I thought was fantastic. Do you think Jimmy can add this to his bag as a regular weapon now? Or do you think that was just a little one-off? You know, Mo. I was just talking to my dad the other day and we were talking about we were talking about Wilt Chamberlain and my son, my oldest son, who's 23 now, he was talking and me the other day we were at the soccer game, as you know, Mo, you were mm-hmm. kind enough to, to allow me with my youngest son. Mm-hmm. He was at his soccer game and all three of us were sitting there during this three game soccer game where, you know, you guys call football the game for our youngest and then my oldest son says to my dad, he goes, hey, grandpa, who's the greatest scorer you've seen? You know, it's kind of like, you know, sports is kind of, you know, the it's our bonding thing in our house. And he goes, hey, I saw a guy one year average 50 points a game. <laughs> <laughs> and my son goes, oh, that's yeah. impossible. He goes, they weren't, he goes, they weren't shooting threes back then. How could he average 50 a game? <laughs> and it was great. And I'm just listening to this conversation. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I saw Will Chamberlain one year average 50 points a game. Mm-hmm. So my son properly does what all kids do today. They look it up on Google. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, my goodness, you're right. Did you see him play? And my dad was like, yeah, I saw him play. (laughs) So we started talking about the Big Dipper. Okay, please look this up. And that was the shot that he was famous, which was basically a finger roll because in college they had banned like dunking. Yep. That was because of Kareem, right? They banned dunking. That was because of Kareem, yes. But Will, you know, he was laying the ball in. Okay. And then he said, but the greatest shot and move I've ever seen was the sky hook. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about the sky hook. Now, you know, one of my things, you know, I've pretty much accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish, which I feel very fortunate to say this, like by playing in the NBA, right? That was a dream. But one of my ultimate dreams was I wanted to see the sky hook live. Mm-hmm. And my rookie year, Kareem retired. Oh man. I just wanted oh yes. man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kareem retired, right? He re- he retired. He retired in the 88, 89 season. And I came in the season 89 and 90. Yeah. So I miss seeing it live. But I would always ask, maybe we'll have some of our because Mo, as you know, I'm really a, a big guy trapped in this little guy's body. And I used to always <laughs> I would always ask, in particular, the good, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story, Bill Cartwright, what was that like? Like, what was that like guarding 
Kareem. Like, what was that like? Yeah. Like, like, how do you, at the time, he was the leading scorer of all time. In fact, now LeBron has passed him. And I was like, what was that like? Like, how do you guard someone with an unstoppable shot? Like, Mo, like, I've never gone into a game and said, I didn't have a chance. Not that I would stop someone. I just felt I always had a chance to do something. But what is that like going into a game where you know this guy has a, a shot that's literally unstoppable? Yeah. And these are the questions we and, have on the back. And the, of the only bus way to stop it is if you are as athletic as Will Chamberlain to jump and meet no, the ball right, right. at the summit of its arc, and, which is and w- for 99% right, of humans to ever exist is never, ever going to happen. happen. Right. So, and Will Chamberlain said that was the first time I've ever seen a shot that I knew I couldn't stop. He, he got a few, but he, he, he got, got a few. A, he got a, everybody's got to get a few, but the guy uh, scored 38, I don't know 000. anyone else who got a few, though. Yes. <laughs> only Will. Well, you know, I think Ralph Sampson and these guys, you know, these guys, yeah, yeah. You know, there's been a few guys. However, I say, and so this was, this would have been a great pot. So Bill, but this is, these are the conversations I would be asking guys, you know? So Bill said, this was the first time that I learned that I had to play defense at like half court. Yeah. Because if I, if I met him in the paint, it was already too late. So yeah. he was the first guy to say when you respect someone so much you have to respect them before they get to where you know they're going so if Mm -hmm. you know he's going to the box and he was the one who introduced me to this term i can remember it just like yesterday he said i had to get my work done early you tell me that get your work done get your work (laughs) done early so i was like i remember i was a young guy i was like what does that mean he was like Okay, you know this guy's going to touch this ball 30-plus times on the box. Why am I just going to wait for him to get to where he wants to get to? I got to get all my work done early before he gets there because he was so good. Once he got there, it was already too late. Mm-hmm. He was like, BJ, he was just unbelievable, the touch that he had and the, his ability to play through contact. And that's the one thing, Mo, that I think, we probably don't emphasize anymore as far as the, of the teaching of today's game. You'll see players like Luka Doncic, for instance, mm-hmm. Luka Doncic has mastered the art as a young player of playing through the contact. Mm-hmm. Like Mo, it's really an art like Giannis, Jokic, some players learn how to play. He said, Kareem, he said, BJ, he had a base that was unbelievable. He said, you know, cause he was basically a thin guy. He said, but when you looked at his legs, he said, I couldn't believe how big his legs were, mm-hmm. how strong he was to be able to maintain his balance on the post and play through the contact. He was like, BJ, it wasn't it wasn't like we didn't know he was going to score. It was just that he had such an ability to play through all of this contact, absorb that contact, double teams and all those things, and then play in a in a in a style that was non-traditional at that time. They were playing fast basketball. Mm-hmm. He was like, BJ, it was like one of the most unique things because it was counterintuitive to what you're, what you were playing. He said, so it wasn't like they were a slowdown team and I could actually meet them in half court. He said, because being a five man, what's my first job is to protect the rim. So I go back and protect the rim and then here comes the big man. Mm-hmm. So he was like, 
it was a master system of play because it forced you to get down there. And then once you got down there, yep. it was it was too late. Yep. So he was like, they were actually, they were actually running two different offenses every single time. Showtime, which was get up and down, get a layup. And then when the layout didn't happen, here comes the big fella lumbering to the box. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was great to learn why he was so good. And he said, BJ, you don't realize how big his hands were so that he could control the ball with one hand. He said, mm-hmm. BJ, we, you, we did everything we could. But you got, like, Kawhi Leonard probably is the only player that comes to mind immediately that probably could, that can consistently play with the sky hook because he has big enough hands to control the ball with one hand. Mm-hmm. You follow, you follow, yep. like you have yep. to be able to, you have to be able to play with one hand to do it. Kareem, if you, if you've met him, you shake his hands like Dr. J and some of these players, he has massive hands. I mean, he literally can hold the ball with one hand, like you and I with a grapefruit, he <laughs> can do that. And that's how he plays. And that's one of many reasons with the obvious him obviously he had a great understanding of the game but just listening to the guys who had to guard him talk about him they held him in the highest regard because of his ability to understand where he was effective i mean mo he never you very rarely could you force him to take a shot he didn't want to take think about that mo yeah he was like bj i couldn't knock him off of his spot yeah he was patient enough on the offensive end to let you do what you had to do and then say okay you're done Here's this guy hook. Now take that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, he was crazy. that good. He, it was he was he was that good. So offensively, and then the last thing because I could talk about, you know, I I didn't see it live, and I that was one of the things. But there's been players I've asked, what did it look like? And they just said it was like the most beautiful thing live. I mean, I've seen it. I was in, I've been in arenas where I've seen him play, but I wanted to see it at ground level. Yeah, because it was such an amazing. I mean, you ask players about it, and they'll tell you, like Mo, it was literally an unstoppable shot. Like that's pretty. Yeah. That's like one of the things that's most consistent that people will say. And you'll ask the old timers about Wilt. They'll tell you he was just unstoppable as far as his athletic ability. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? There's certain things that all players agree upon. And those two come to mind when you just talk about a beautiful shot, a beautiful player. I mean, he's literally is like poetry and, and, and they all talk about it. Well, let's see if uh, Jimmy Butler can continue throwing these sky hooks and continue that legacy. But that's been <laughs> another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. BJ, I appreciate you every time. You guys can uh, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Uh, most importantly, get buckets. <laughs>